the cross. What is so special about the cross? Our subject today will be what happened when God's son, Jesus Christ, was killed 2,000 years ago on the cross. So go get your Bibles and we'll answer those questions. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Before we start our message proper, let's start with prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for all you've done for us, God, throughout the week. We ask you to be with each and every one of us, Father, and I ask you to send your Holy Spirit to give us spiritual discernment so that we may get through this fog, the fog of life, God. Now, I ask you that every word that's spoken here is not the opinion of man, but may it be the facts that you give us, God, from your word. We ask you to be with each and every one of us, give us healing, give us direction, Lord, and give us hope. Embrace us, Father, as you always do, and let us know that everything's going to be okay. Now be with us tonight, God, and let us focus on you, only on you, that we may know that this focus is on your Son, Jesus. Thank you for all these things, Father. This we ask in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Now our study today is, what happened at the cross? And I want us to remember something now today, especially today, that at the moment that Jesus died, eternal life was immediately available to you and me. So let's not forget that. And also, before we continue, we need to repeat to ourselves this one theme of our studies, and that's this. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. And if it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Remember that. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Many years ago, a ship broke apart in a violent storm and all the crew was lost except for one man. Miraculously, he survived. Now, when the storm ended, he found himself floating in water on debris. However, there was no land in sight and he despaired that he'd ever be rescued. Now, after a long time in the water, the man noticed an object above the horizon. Now, he wasn't sure what it was, but he began to swim towards it. Finally, he saw what it was. It was a cross. It was a cross that was silhouetted over the horizon as if it were planted right on the water. Now that cross proved to be his waymark. Never taking his eyes off the cross, he swam and swam and finally hours later he saw the shoreline. Yeah, it was that cross sitting on the church at a high point in a small city that saved his life. That cross gave him direction, gave him courage, gave him hope. Today, that same cross remains on the same spot where the shipwrecked sailor saw it, on the old Portuguese city of Macau in the South China coast. Now for him, that cross, that cross pointed a way to life. For millions of other people around the world, that cross also leads to life, to eternal life. How? Why? Well, in, in what way, you might ask? Well, that's what we want to look at today. Now through history, there have been various objects that are used to symbolize faith. For instance, the crescent moon and the star symbol of Islam, the six-pointed star of David, as well as the seven-branched candlestick that symbolizes the Jewish religion, the statue of Buddha, which symbolizes Buddhism, and yes, yes, there is the cross. The cross. A symbol of the Christian religion. With, and what a strange symbol for a, for a religion. You know why? Because think about this. In ancient times, the Romans used the cross as one of the most terrible means of torturing and killing their enemies. Only the worst criminals were killed on crosses. Now, dying on the cross may be the cruelest method of execution that has ever been invented. That's where we get the word excruciating for the word pain, excruciating pain, crucifixion. 
That's how painful it is, my friends. Now think about this. Most victims on the cross, they suffered for two to three days before they died. Now, what are the means that are used today to inflict the death penalty? Well, there's hanging, there's the electric chair, there's lethal injection, there's beheading, there's firing squads. And these are the better known methods, okay? The better known methods. There's other methods out there, my friends. But can you imagine any religion today using something like the noose or, or the electric chair as a symbol of the religion? Can you imagine that? No. Well, this is exactly what Christianity has done with the cross. And today, we see the cross all over the world now. It, sh it shows up in churches, in buildings, and jewelry. This ancient symbol of Roman execution, my friends. So what does it mean? Why do millions of people around the world use this symbol of a death penalty to point to, to a great hope of eternal life, of a future world where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more death? I mean, wouldn't you like to have such a hope? Well, I got news for you, my friends. You can. You can have this kind of hope. It's because of what this symbol of death offers to you and me personally. Now, first, when we talk about the cross, we're not just talking about any cross. No, on the contrary, we're talking about one specific cross. We're talking about who was hanging on that cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the creator and the God of the universe. And that's what makes this cross incredible. Who Jesus was and why he died is what makes this cross the great symbol of the Christian faith. Now, who was this Jesus? What does his death 2,000 years ago mean to you and me personally? The answer? Well, it means very much as we're going to see in a moment. Now, just a little background here. About 2,000 years ago in the land of Judea, in an area known today as Israel, there lived a Jewish preacher named Jesus of Nazareth. Now, when he was 30 years old, this Jesus, though he didn't, didn't have any uh, formal training in the official schools of the rabbis, began to preach and to teach. Now, by all accounts, his ministry lasted three and a half years. Now, at that time, he had a small following, nothing great or large, because most of his followers were among the humble, the poor, the uneducated, the so-called lower classes. Now, at the end of his ministry, he angered most of the religious leaders, and uh, guess what? He was crucified. Now, in of itself, it's, that story is not very remarkable, because at that time, there was all sorts of itinerant preachers making all these claims, and, and, and guess what? Most of them disappeared into history. And we're never heard from again. But not this Jesus, no, no. He didn't just disappear into history, no. On the contrary, we today have some 2,000 years later among millions of people who still are talking about Jesus all over the world. Why? What was special about him? Why was his death special, for that matter? Let me read you a little bit from the Bible here about this Jesus, okay? Talking about Jesus, the Bible calls him the Word. Now listen here in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. The Word, Jesus, was God. Be sure to understand, 
The Godhead consists of three beings, united in purpose, but in three separate beings. There is the God the Father, there is Jesus the Son of God, there is the third God the Holy Spirit. Think this now, three, three beings, three beings, they're equals. Okay, are you with me? Okay. About Jesus, the Bible says all things were made through him. Without Jesus, nothing got created. In other words, every bush, every tree, every animal, every person was created by Jesus. His words carried such power that, that he just spoke everything into existence. Now let me show you how you know that the word spoken of in John 1 was really Jesus. Now the writer in the book of Hebrews wrote of God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom all he made the, also he made the worlds. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, it was through Jesus that God made all the worlds, my friends. He made all other worlds. Notice, not just our world, but all worlds in the universe. Everything created through Jesus again. Everything, my friends, was created through him. Again, talking about Jesus, the Bible says this, For by him all things were created that are in the heavens and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in all him all things consist. This is in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. My friends, make sure you take notes. Make sure you take notes. Now, notice what the Bible is saying, okay? It's saying that all things were created by Jesus of Nazareth as he preexisted with God the Father from the days of eternity. Jesus of Nazareth? Now, if Jesus is God and preexisted, why Jesus of Nazareth? How'd this happen? Now, follow carefully, okay? And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Matthew 1, 16. Now, how could it be? How could Christ become a human baby? Well, this verse tells us, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Luke 1, verse 35. My friends, it was clearly a miracle. It was a miracle. Mary, who was a virgin, gave birth to Jesus, the creator of the universe. That is exactly what the Bible is telling us. It tells us that this little planet meant so much to God that he sent his only begotten son and came down here to become one of us and lived and died here as one of us. Now, what a wonderful picture that God, of God this presents, my friends. What a comforting thought that, to know that, that this was a creator God, that he, he cares for us so much that he came down here to live with us in the form of his son. I mean, wouldn't you like to get to know him more? I know I want to know more about him. Wouldn't you? And what he's really like? And why he did this? About what his death means to us personally? Look what else the Bible says about this God. Let this mind be in you which also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no re reputation, 
taking the form of a bondservant, then coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8. <laughs> wow, my friends. Jesus, the creator himself, he became a human being like you and me. Now, is that not incredible? And more amazing, he was willing to die for us. The amazing thing isn't that he could do it, no. No, but why? Why? Why did he do it? And here is truly the most wonderful truth, my friends, of all creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, repeat this verse. I'm telling you, and think about this. Think about this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we need to emphasize the word so, my friends. God so loved us so much. He came to our planet in the person of Jesus. Why? So we would not be stranded here by ourselves, my friends. On the contrary. Our creator, our God loves us so much that he came here. He came here to become one of us. So that he could identify with our struggles. So we can never say this. We can never say this about God. You don't know what it's like here. He knows, my friends. He knows. Oh, how well he knows now. I mean, wouldn't you like to have a God like that, that for the rest of your life? Well, my friends, guess what? The good news is you can. To those of us who open our lives to him, God promises this. I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. I have loved you. But this is only the beginning, my friends. This is only the beginning. Our study today is about the cross. It's about the Son of God becoming a man. Whose entire purpose, my friend, think about this, his entire purpose at the moment of his birth was to die for our sins. As we've already seen, Jesus did just that, dying that terrible death for you and for me. What does this mean? Have you ever done wrong? I mean, have you ever been bad? Perhaps you've lied, cheated someone or stole something, or even worse, maybe a lot worse, maybe adultery, maybe murder, maybe really bad things that no one knows about. Don't be fooled, my friend. Someone knows. The Bible tells us God knows all of our deeds. He knows our good. He knows our bad. We have no, no secrets from him. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on evil and good, Proverbs 15, verse 3. The Bible also tells us that God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil, Ecclesiastes 12, 14. So, if you've done something wrong and you've hidden it from everyone else, you need to know something. You need to know that you haven't hidden it from God. Now, the Bible also makes it clear that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of, of God. And guess what? The wages of sin is death. You can find these verses in Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. Please write it down. Now, we looked at all this the other day about the fall of humanity. 
the sinful nature that we've inherited as a result of that fall. We've seen this. And, our nedri- and of course, our natural tendency is to become our own God, to make our own views and desires the final, standard, the, the final, the final standard of, of how we act. Now, our tendency is to reject all authority but our own. We see this. This is sinful and it's wrong. And because we've sinned, we've done wrong, we've forfeited our eternal life. Instead, guess what? We face eternal death because of our sin and our rebellion. Now, we, we're destined to die because of the, the way we, the way we uh, show ourselves to be, you know, our conduct. We conduct ourselves in, in rebellion against our Creator. Now, the bottom line is this, my friends. We, we serve one or two masters, God or Satan. In the Garden of Eden, our first parents chose Satan. How? How did they do this? God said to them, don't touch, don't eat the tree, don't eat the fruit, or you're going to die. But say Satan comes around and says, no, no, you won't. In fact, he added this, if you eat this fruit, you too can be like a god. Satan, my friends, pretended to be a god. He contradicted the creator of the universe. Now, a crucial question. Which god did he follow? The god of heaven or God's enemy, Satan, who said to her that, do whatever you want. Be your own God. The Bible reveals evil that reveals Eve's sinful thought process, my friends. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Genesis 3, verse 6. <laughs> now as the children 6,000 years later we see the consequences. We're still reaping the consequences of that choice, my friends. We are seeing sickness, war, and death, and disease. These are the consequences that we see 6,000 years later, my friends. My friends, the scripture is clear. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Romans 5.12 Well, however, my friends, Jesus offers us a way out, and that's good, because he tells us you can make a choice for him and have him as your Savior and your Lord, my friends. He says, choose me, choose me. He says, and I'll give you eternal life. The problem we have is we like to say he is my Savior, but we don't want to make him our Lord. We need to, my friends, make him our Lord also. I mean, most of us don't consciously choose to serve Satan. But we do make a choice to serve him every time we choose our own opinions over God's authority. God tells us in the Bible that you shall not have uh, that you shall have no other gods before me. That also includes ourselves, my friends. But when we place our will over God's stated commands, we separate ourselves from the only source of hope and happiness and life. And this is exactly what happened at Eden. God said, don't eat of this tree. Adam and Eve ate anyway, and they died. Now, keep in mind how important this point is, my friends. The foundation of all sin and rebellion is is humans making decisions to become their own gods. Remember that. Remember that, my friend. The foundation of all sin and rebellion is humans making decisions to become their own gods and dying as a result. Have you made this kind of a decision? I mean, I know I have. But fortunately for our merciful God, he's provided a way out of this this devastating dilemma. 
It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I point you back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, my friends, though we've all done wrong and rebelled, we don't have to face the death penalty. Why? Because Jesus suffered that penalty for us. The Bible tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. No condemnation? Well, how can there be no condemnation when all of us have sinned? The answer, my friends, is because Jesus suffered the death penalty for us on that cross. What does this mean? In every country of the world, if a person violates the law, he has to face a certain punishment. That's a given. You might even find, you might pay a fine of 100 goats or maybe it's $1,000. Or it could be jail or even life in prison or even worse, it could be death. But whatever it is, my friends, a violator has to pay the price for breaking that law. In our case, we've all broken God's holy law and we have to die. But thank God there's good news. Jesus, after living the perfect life of obedience, paid the penalty for our sins on the cross. You see, he died in our place. The Bible puts it this way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, verse 6. Can you imagine? God the Father put our sins on God the Son and then sacrificed his Son's life. That is their arrangement. And that's why the Bible refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. That's how much God loved you. Oh, friend, I mean, allow this wonder of this life and this life-changing truth to sink into your mind. Think about this. The Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This means if you've lied, Jesus has paid the penalty for it already. Whether you've lied once or a thousand times. This means if you've committed adultery, Jesus paid the penalty for you. Yeah, if you've stolen, cheated, or even committed murder, Jesus paid your death penalty. I mean, isn't that wonderful news? Doesn't that give you hope? If you're feeling guilty for past deeds, you don't have to anymore. You can now be free from all condemnation because Jesus paid the penalty for every sin already. Once you've accepted him, he promises not to remember our sins anymore. God says this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hebrews 8.12 My friends, right now, if you accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you can be pardoned by God for every bad thing you've done, for every selfish act you've committed. That's right. Right now, Right now, you can be forgiven. You can be pardoned. You can be cleansed. You can stand before God as if you've never sinned. All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. And then reach out in faith. Reach out in faith, my friends, to accept God's free gift of salvation. And that's it. That's it. We're given eternal life in trusting Jesus. 
The Bible says that we must choose this day whom you will serve. Will it be Jesus or the false God who can't save you? Choose Jesus, my friend. Choose Jesus now and your life, will, I'll tell you right now, will never be the same again. The Bible tells us who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. I mean, wouldn't you like to have a new start, a clean start? Wouldn't you like to know joy of an accept, uh, to be accepted by God? My friends, just say yes. Just say yes to Jesus right now. Today he stands before you and says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Revelation 3, verse 21. Tell him right now, friends. Tell him right now. Come in, Lord. Come and take your rightful position at the throne of my life. Some people say that Christianity is cheap because God offers his forgiveness so readily. But think about this, my friends. Christianity isn't cheap. It's very expensive to God because it costs him the life of his son. I mean, you and I are blood-bought souls. Blood-bought souls of the, of the king of the universe. So I ask you again, won't you give Jesus your heart tonight or today or this afternoon or at this moment? Give him your heart and he'll give you a new one. That's what he tells us. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Would you like a new heart today? Wouldn't you? Just say yes to Jesus. He will not only give you a new heart, my friends, but he'll also give you the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Why? So that you can think correctly in the days ahead, my friends. He'll also give you strength to obey him. The Bible is clear. It says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. 1 John 2, verse 3 and 4. Here is the essence of Christian faith. A friendship with Jesus will lead to obedience. Now there's a song that says, when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And you know what, my friends? That's true. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked down through the ages and guess what? He saw you. He saw you. You personally. And he made the decision to let his life be sacrificed for you. My friends, why not leave your sins at the foot of the cross and come to Jesus for forgiveness? Will you do that right now? Will you? Now, many years ago, I got a story for you now. Many years ago, the British writer Charles Dickens wrote his famous book, A Tale of Two Cities. It was about the French Revolution, which began in the last decade of the 18th century. Now, it told of the incredible violence that occurred and, and how thousands upon thousands of people were killed by angry mobs. Now, among those condemned to die was a young man named Charles, who had a wife and a young daughter. His crime was that he belonged to an aristocratic family, and for that, he was sentenced to the guillotine. There was no hope, no appeal, no chance of pardon. Another young man enters the picture, however. His name was Sidney. In this story, he wasn't much to look at. 
never did much with his life, but, but he really cared about Charles. He cared about him and his wife and his small child. And through some careful planning, he managed to get himself placed in a jail cell while Charles was, so that Charles could escape and, and no one would know it. And it worked. Now, amid the mobs and the hysteria, no one knew that, that a switch had taken place. Now, as the mob was carrying Sidney down the street, they, they thought it was Charles. When they hurled insults, they thought it was to Charles. And, and when they were hurling the insults, they thought it was Charles. But when the head was placed in the guillotine, the guillotine, they thought it was Charles' head. When the blade fell and took his life, they thought it was Charles' life they had taken. But no, no, Charles was safe with his wife and family. It was the life of Sidney they took. Sidney, who sacrificed himself so that Charles could live, he died instead. Of course, this is only a story. And it doesn't compare with Jesus, our creator, giving his life for us. But it's the same idea. The idea of substitution of someone suffering for a crime he didn't commit in order that the condemned person could go free. Now, it should have been us. It should have been you and me facing the taunts, the jeers, the condemnations of the crowd at the cross. Not Jesus. It should have been you and me with the nails in our hands and feet. Not Jesus. It should have been you and me suffering the penalty of sin, paying the price for our sins. Not Jesus. But it was. It was Jesus. And because it was, I tell you right now, you can receive God's peace today and his rest. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My friends, this is a wonderful message of love this study has brought to us. It's brought to our, to our attention, my friends. I mean, we love God and his son because they first loved us and paid the price for our redemption. I know that, that I love him more every time that I read these precious stories, my friends, and these, and these promises that he's given us. And I know, I know that you're going to want to respond to this wonderful message of love. My friend, salvation is a gift today. Take it, my friend. It's free. He died for you and me. He loves you with all of his heart. He loves you with all of his heart. We'll be right back with a final prayer. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Uh, let's close with, with prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, Thank you so much for what you've, you've done for us through Jesus on the cross. Help each, each one of us to understand for ourselves what this sacrifice means for each one of us. Help us to know that, that through Jesus, right now, we can, we can stand forgiven for our sins, Lord, and, and cleanse from, from all unrighteousness. Thank you for Jesus as we accept him today, Lord, as our Savior from, from every stain of sin and, and as our Lord of our lives. Thank you for loving us so much, Father. Thank you for being with us throughout the week. Be with those, Lord, who are, who are alone and, and need you, Father. and Let them know that you are there. Embrace them, Father, and show them you love them. And be with us throughout the weekend so we may be here for you always, Lord. Thank you. And thank you for you being for us here, Lord, too. Lord, thank you for everything. Be with all of our friends and families, Lord. And especially in these days and these times. 
Thank you so much, God. This we ask in, in your son Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, this is Robert from our time in God's Word. Thank you for uh, once again joining me. Our next study will be exciting. It's going to be about the end times, signs of the end times. So be sure to see catch that one. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you. May the Lord embrace you. May the Lord hold you in His hand. And may His holy angels protect you. This is Robert. Until next time, have a great one. Bye-bye. <laughs>